And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. We're getting ready to wrap up the year, of course. This always brings up lots of issues for people and for markets and for kind of the outlook for 2022. And we're getting a lot of these outlooks for 2022 right now. You know, every major Wall Street firm's coming out. Next year's going to be, S&P will be up another 9% next year, be up 10%, whatever. They're always bullish, right? They're, you know, majority of the time when you see Wall Street analyst ex- expectations for the next year, they're always positive. I've never seen a year where 10 analysts came out and said, oh, next year the market's going to lose money. It never happens. The reason is, is they're trying to, they have to sell you product. So telling you to be all in cash as we go into next year is not good for them because, again, they don't make any money with you being in cash. And if you're not buying the IPOs and SPACs and things that they're issuing, and we've had a record issuance of that stuff this year, they're not making money. So be careful with outlooks. Uh, you know, I've talked about this before, is that back in the late 90s, there was this study of meteorologists and psychics and tarot card readers and everybody that in Wall Street analysts, everybody that made predictions about anything. And they measured the accuracy of these predictions over a period of time. And it turned out that the most accurate predictions came from meteorologists. And of course, you know, people complain about meteorologists all the time because there's no rain in the forecast and it rains, right? It's a 20% chance of rain and it rains, right? Um, the point is, is that the accuracy of meteorologists is good for about three days. Outside of that, it becomes essentially the same as a coin flip. And this goes for, and of course, you know, once you get out further in time and, and really kind of go through other predictors, it gets, gets far worse. But the point is, is that after about three days of predictions, things get very fuzzy. And again, a coin flip will pretty much tell you what will happen by the end of the year at this point. Now, we can go back and look at statistics, seasonal tendencies. We can look at all these things. But regardless of all that, that analysis... It's still a guess. We're guessing what's going to happen in this year. And look, you know, whatever happens in the headline that, that causes algorithms to start to sell the market, who knows? We've got lots of Greek letters of the alphabet left to go through with variants of the virus. Is that what's really driving the market or is there something else happening? That's the thing you need to know about. But sentiment, you know, at this point is very negative. So statistically and seasonally, we should theoretically expect a rally heading into the end of the year. But getting into next year, and again, as you start talking about 2022, all these analysts are expecting very lucrative returns for 2022. And they're always bullish because bullish bias is what sells, as I said, it's what sells products. But betting on those type of things is very risky for your money. Because again, accuracy of predictions, about three days. Outside of that, it's a coin flip. Going next year, we got a lot of things, we got a lot of headwinds. You got the Fed talking about tightening monetary policy. You've got, you know, potential hikes of interest rates. You've got slower economic growth coming. You've got less liquidity coming in from the markets and, and from, from federal governments, uh, central banks around the country, world. All those things are headwinds. Earnings will slow. And those are all going to potentially weigh on asset prices. So could the markets be positive again next year? Absolutely. It's about a 50-50 shot. <laughs> 
there's about a 50-50 chance they won't. So I really would take a lot of these predictions as a grain of salt because they don't know. I don't know. I have, you know, we, we could make some guess about next year's outcomes, but man, a lot of things have to go right. I mean, when you're talking about valuations at 40 times earnings, you're talking about earnings beginning to slow and profit margins beginning to get squeezed because of higher inflationary pressures, tightening of monetary policy. None of those things are really great for stock market returns. Now, does that mean you should all, you know, just, you know, all be in cash? No. I don't want you emailing me in, or somebody else emailing me and saying, oh, I heard you said we should be all in cash. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that there is a lot of things that have to go right next year in order to keep the markets as elevated. You know, one of the major things that have been driving the markets have been stock buybacks. Stock buybacks have made up 40% of the advance since 2011. 40%. So if you, if you stripped out stock buybacks, the market wouldn't be trading at, you know, 45, 46, 4,700. It'd be like 2,500. It'd be about 3% annualized rate of return, exactly what you would expect from valuations where they were when we started back in 2011. Not nearly as exciting, is it? But that's how much stock buybacks have contributed to the rally. So you're really depending on a lot of, of actions happening next year that happened this year. We've had a trillion dollars worth of global liquidity inflows into the U.S. market over the last year. This is one of the big drivers of asset prices. That's got to continue again next year. Problem is, is that trillion dollars is about three times the rate of global inflows that we've ever had in history. I mean, it's well outside the norm. Going back and talking about corporate buybacks. Corporate buybacks are fine as long as they've got lots of excess liquidity. But if things begin to slow down next year and corporations become more concerned about you know, maintaining profitability and maintaining their their balance sheet caches, you know, cash levels, et cetera, they may pull back on their stock buybacks. And there's no guarantee of that, but there's a risk. So this is what I'm saying is that, you know, these predictions are all kind of hinged upon everything being exactly the same next year as it was this year. And, and that's going to be a bit of a stretch. So again, I, I wouldn't you know, this isn't something where you go and say, oh, I got to be all in cash and, you know, there's this terrible stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that you need to at least be aware that all these very bullish predictions for next year are no more valid than a coin flip. And, you know, if you go back to 2007, as an example, predictions for 2008 were exceedingly bullish. Go back to 1999. Predictions for 2000 were exceedingly bullish. 2001, predictions for the next year were bullish. 2002, the predictions for the next year were bullish. You should buy. More often than not, markets are positive than negative. Bear markets are very fast when they occur. Bull markets are slower to advance. So you have more, bull, bull, you have more bullish years than you have bearish years. The problem is, is that when the bullish the, the the bearish years occur, they wipe out years of the previous bullish advances. And it can really set you back financially. So the whole point about this is be careful with predictions. Nobody knows. All we can do is navigate the markets that we're in. You know, it's kind of like a ship captain, right? You're looking on the horizon, it's clear. Clear sailing, calm seas, everything's fine, right? Then all of a sudden, an iceberg. <laughs> That's what happens in the markets. 
you know, these squalls come up from nowhere. We don't, we don't, you know, we're not seeing them. They're, you know, the, you listen to the media, everything's fine. The markets are rallying. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden you get this squall it just shows up out of nowhere, catches you off guard. And that's when we talk about hedging risk. When, when things are too good, when things are going so well in the markets, have a regular process of taking some profits off the table selling your laggards and losers things if the markets are going up and you've got positions in your portfolio that aren't there's a reason sell them the worst thing you can do for your portfolio long term is go well as soon as it comes back or but i really like this company and i'm sure at some point down the road it'll do fine those things will get you in trouble more often than not. those are emotions those are those are things where you're making rationalizations for why you made a bad decision and you're going to wind up making a worse decision for trying to rationalize it Sell it. Move on. You can always buy it back later when it starts to work. Happens all the time. Moving into the year, this is a great time. Those laggards and losers, you probably got some nice gains this year and stuff. Take some gains. Sell your laggards and losers. Offset your gains with your losses. Reduce your tax consequences. Clean up your portfolio. This is a great time of the year to start cleaning up your portfolio, getting ready for 2022. Whatever it brings. Good, bad, indifferent. Doesn't matter. Be ready for it. But this is a good time to start cleaning up the portfolio and getting it ready for next year. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. Anyone can sell you insurance and they'll gladly take your premium dollars. The RIA Insurance Agency can provide you with insurance solutions tailor-made for your needs and lifestyle. Because everyone's assets are different, let RIA Insurance review what you need to protect and how. We won't sell you insurance, but what you need will be a matter of policy. RIA Insurance Agency, 888-915-0780. RIA Insurance Agency, 888-915-0780. 888-915-0780. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. Get started right now at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, or simply call our toll-free number, 855-RIA-PLAN, or again, simply online at realinvestmentadvice.com. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. Bulls win in bull markets. Bears win in bear markets. Eagles soar above and take advantage of opportunity. Let us help you soar as you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors, 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And 
and welcome back to the show this morning. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Sandy Ratliff joining me as well. Um, you know, so so the big story this today, of course, is the Federal Reserve now starting to announce a tightening of monetary policy. And, you know, one thing important here is, is that they're doing it backwards. Um, you know, what you should do, and this, you know, really doesn't seem to be that complicated of an issue, is you should hike rates first while you're doing QE, right? So the QE supports the financial markets, and that's helped keep stocks elevated so you don't get an impact to consumer confidence if the market sells off. You hike rates first, and then once you hike rates to whatever level you want to hike them, then you start reducing your, your, monetary, ta- your, your monetary balance sheets, that support for the markets. But they do it backwards, right? They take away the punch bowl for the market, and then they hike rates and slow the economy. So this is why throughout history, we always wind up, and, and there's a, you know, if, if, if you take a look at pretty much the media, uh, you know, analysis anywhere, it's like, oh, don't worry about rate hikes. You know, stocks, stocks go up once the Fed starts hiking rates, and that's true. As we said yesterday, you know, car rolling downhill, it's got momentum. It's going to take a bit to break it. But at some point, you know, whether it's four rate hikes, five rate hikes, six rate hikes, whatever it is, it's the one that comes right after that one that breaks the whole thing. And, and I saw a great article, a chart this morning. It says like, oh, see, you know, don't worry about it. In 2018, when the Fed was hiking rates, the market only was down 4.4% for the year. And then it was up next year. Well, think about what happened. The Fed was hiking rates in September. They go, well, we're not near the neutral rate yet. The market sells off 20%, not four. Sells off 20% from that point. It was just that it was up for the year before that break occurred. And then immediately when the market sells off, they go, oh, we were just kidding. And they immediately start moving back towards verbal accommodation, then reduce rates back to zero. And then we're doing QE in 2019 by doing reverse repo on the books and putting capital back into the banks. And as always is the case, you know, banks are healthy. According to the Federal Reserve, they, they pass their stress test all the time. And the banks are completely well-funded. In fact, cap, you know, banks have more capital now than ever. And if that's the case, then why is it every time the market takes a downturn, we've got to bail out banks? Just saying. Anyway. No contagion factor here. Nothing Not, to see. Nothing. Yes, yeah, just move right along. Everything is just fine. So, but here's the big question. Um, you know, look. We're clearly in a very elevated market. Valuations are extremely high, and and we write about this a lot. And valuations matter; those haven't changed. And you know, there's lots of reasons that we can come up with that says, "Hey, I don't want to be invested in the markets." And you know, honestly, I can't argue with you. But unfortunately, we can't sit in cash either, because that doesn't benefit us particularly with inflation going up, that doesn't help either. So the question that we get most often is, well, how do I get into the markets? And this is, and this is, a, this is a good question because, again, it's, 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 a, it's a bit scary, but I think you also have to understand there's a differential between investing and taking on a buy-and-hold investment strategy. And, and you know, what this comes down to is really understanding the management of risk. Can you invest in highly overvalued markets? Yes, you can. But you can't do it blindly. And this is one of the processes that we take very carefully when we're onboarding clients into markets. You know, we look for opportunities to increase exposure. But, you know, this is a very challenging environment. And, and I've got an article that's coming out 
in the next, I think next week. Um, the problem with being in cash, and this is the most important part of that article, is that being all in cash, and, and, and look, and, and this, is, this is something we're seeing a lot of. Um, Danny has seen this numerous times. Though we, we have clients that come to us that have been out of the market since 2008. And you know, here it is, 2021. Now they want to get back in, right? And so, the problem with being all in cash is that it can be just as detrimental being in your being in cash to your long-term financial goals as actually being in the crash. You know, so by by taking an action of avoidance to try to avoid a potential crash at some point in the future, you can actually do as much damage to your financial outcome as actually being in the crash itself. And, that, and so that's why there's a very delicate balance here that you have to, to understand and to implement in your strategy and not let the psychological, political, you know, emotional commentary may lead you to making decisions that have a long-term detrimental effect to your financial outcomes. Danny, your thoughts? You know, I, th I think this has been magnified. Over the years, we've seen such low inflation to compared to where we are now. You know, looking at CPI, 6.9%, uh, are seeing some increase in Social Security, other areas which are, are promising. But if you're sitting in cash, you, you've got a net loss here, a real return. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like you mentioned, markets have been expensive. We've had this same conversation for four or five years easily. Yeah. I mean, every year it's like a broken record. Right. You know, same problem that we have markets are expensive. There's lots of political turmoil, uh, potentially higher taxes. I mean, so on and so on. So it is very important to understand, like what you just mentioned, Lance, is having a process to get in. You know, we hear all everything, you know, hey, you just put it all in. The markets always go up 80% of the time. We know that's a myth. Uh, Lance, Lance has busted that time and time again. Mm -hmm. We've also heard, well, just dollar cost average every month. And while that can, these things can work out in your favor at different times, that's not always the case. And I think we need to be a little bit more strategic in putting funds to work. Look, in a year like this year, it's been difficult because what's the market done? It hits a 50-day moving average, it bounces mm -hmm. back up. Does it repeat, you know, wash, rinse, repeat over and over and over <laughs> again? And it's unfortunate because, you know, this has been a time where we, we could have made an argument, hey, putting it all to work earlier this year was the right thing to do. However, being prudent, now hindsight's always 2020. Right. Looking in the rearview mirror, but knowing the risks that are there and being able to manage that. And I think that's the important aspect of this is that, look, you can sit in cash. Maybe you can sleep well at night. But at some point, you're going to need your dip to dip your toes back in the market. And I think it's going to be very important to understand that you need a discipline on, one, how to get in, and, two, how to get out if things were to go wrong. And that's the bigger part of this, I think, mm -hmm. is that most people are afraid to get in because they've experienced such a detrimental time in the market in either 2001, 2, and 3, 2008. And – you know, those are things that, that are all very fresh memories for a lot of people because they don't they haven't experienced anything else. Right. That's that's the last thing they experienced about being in the market. So they think there's no way I work too hard. I can't I can't see this go, which is why we manage money the way we do. Now, look, there's no risk avoidance here, but we do our best to mitigate it. Right. Well, and I think that's the important thing. Right. And, and that is actually the key statement, which is, you know, the avoidance of risk. Is just as detrimental as having the risk. Right. Yep. So in other words, if I'm betting, if I'm betting on a poker and poker is always kind of a great example structure for investing in the markets, because there's there's very much the same kind of outcomes. Right. You 
in a, in a poker hand, you're you're looking at what hands you've got available, and you're trying to measure the risk and and the reward for betting on that hand. And so you you monitor your bets accordingly. And it's interesting in the financial markets, we're doing exactly the same thing. We're we're betting on an unknown outcome. You know, we're assuming that our hand is strong enough that you know my three aces will beat whatever Danny's got. Well, we don't know that Danny's got four kings, right? So. I'm going to bet heavy on a hand of three aces because that's a fairly strong hand. So I'm going to bet much heavier, but I'm really betting on an outcome that I don't know for certain. I can I can kind of assess what the odds are by what I hold in my hand, but I don't know for certain. And that's very much the same thing that we do in the financial markets. You know, we look at the portfolio of companies that we own and we say, well, these companies all have good earnings. They they're fundamentally strong, etc. But what we don't know and what we're betting on is that the future, the next three months, six months, nine months, doesn't have something occur in it that completely undermines that whole strategy of our hand that we have that we're betting on in the markets. And so that's why we always look back to, to, to you know, kind of poker is a good example. It's an easy example to understand because we very rapidly, if you play cards at all and understand the game of poker at all, I mean, you don't even have to be good at it. You just have to understand the basic rules. You can very quickly assess what the odds are of your hand, and you know very quickly whether you should just fold or bet light or bet heavy, right? You know, all in. <laughs> if you got a royal flush, you're all in, right? You're going to win. Um, but same thing in the financial markets. The problem is that just like, you know, there's two ways to lose in poker, which is to bet all in every hand which is to accept total risk, right? So this is buy and hold. Buy and hold is betting all in every hand, and eventually you're going to lose, and you're going to lose big. And, and the problem is, is, is that you may win a whole lot of hands being all in every hand, but you're eventually going to lose. That's what happens with buy and hold. Eventually, you're going to wind up on the wrong side of it. You can also lose at poker by not betting at all. I mean, you sit at the table and look pretty and maybe get free drinks for a little while, but... <laughs> You know, if you don't bet, you can't win at all. And so the avoidance of risk or the taking on of total risk both have bad outcomes. But we can manage our risk. And, and look, when we're actually participating in the game itself and managing our, the size of our bets, managing how we bet, managing when we bet, we can we can manage to get better outcomes over time. Now, does that mean we're never going to lose a hand of poker? Of course not. We're going to lose. But hopefully what we've done is that when we've got a losing hand or a hand that we're not so comfortable in, we've bet less. And that's just a function of raising raising cash or reducing cash in portfolios over time as markets get overbought or get oversold. And that's the the risk management process that we go through when we're trying to onboard a client, we're waiting for those pullbacks in the market back to some level of oversold condition. Then we'll start to ease in, start to, to buy in, you know, half positions of portfolio positions, starting to increase those positions. As we get the next pullback, we add more to those positions until we get the portfolio built. And then our just our overall risk management rules apply to the portfolio at that point. But that navigation process and, and and you know this is kind of the whole theme of the article about you know being all in cash it's just like a captain on a ship i can be out in the middle of the ocean clear skies calm seas it's all great but in any moment's notice right i you know there's rocks under the water there's a squall that can pop up there's plenty of dangers out there that i have to be aware of 
and avoid. And that's what you have to do with your portfolio. You still sell the C's. Just do it cautiously. Be right back after the break. I'm Real Science Roberts, Real Investment Advice. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year join danny ratliff and richard rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on saturday january 15th you'll learn the landmines to avoid tax advantages we see and money tips you need to know in the new year Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. Anyone can sell you insurance and they'll gladly take your premium dollars. The RIA Insurance Agency can provide you with insurance solutions tailor-made for your needs and lifestyle. Because everyone's assets are different, let RIA Insurance review what you need to protect and how. We won't sell you insurance, but what you need will be a matter of policy. RIA Insurance Agency, 888-915-0780. RIA Insurance Agency, 888-915-0780. 888-915-0780. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. A passive investment portfolio requires active risk management. It's not a choice, it's necessity diversification doesn't protect against risk of loss. Let us actively help you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com Can't catch the whole show now? Listen to our podcast later at realinvestmentadvice.com You know, money changes everything. I'm just sitting reading the headline. A changed Taliban says it's welcoming women's rights and now wants $10 billion from the U.S. You really can't make this kind of stuff up. I'm just saying, wait, there's money if I'm good? Okay. Apparently, my kids are now the Taliban. I'll be good if you give me money until they get the money. And then they turn back into the Taliban. The Real Investment Show podcast. Same show. That's my kids. At realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, they've been terrorizing me for years. Anyway. Do you know what you don't know when hiring and retaining quality employees? Compensation is more than just wages. It's personal time off. The vacation days. Healthcare benefits. A 401k. Do you know what's important to them? Hi, I'm Tom Allen, RIA Advisors Retirement Plan Consultant. Let us show you how to make the most of an affordable, effective package that will deliver true value for your business and your employees. Call me toll-free at 855-RIA-PLAN or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Real Investment Show podcasts are now available from Stitcher Smart Radio at stitcher.com. Hi, Lance Roberts here. If you're like most people, your 401k plan represents the bulk of your retirement assets. And unfortunately for many, managing your 401k plan can be difficult. There's so many choices, so many things to consider. With just a quick email, a couple of questions, you can put RIA advisors to work for you managing your 401k plan. It's a quick and easy application. Just simply click Ask a Question at realinvestmentadvice.com or give us a call at 855-RIA-PLAN. That's realinvestmentadvice.com. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential smart money tips for the new year candid coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid. 
Coin and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com with Ratliff and Rosso. realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. I'm Rose Lance Roberts. Danny Ratliff joining me this morning. And, of course, Brent Clanton driving our Wink Challenge bus. As always, uh, glad to have you here. Uh, be sure you buy the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. A couple of things coming up. We have a uh, lunch and learn? Candy coffee. Candy coffee. I always get them confused. We have a candy coffee coming up. When is that, Danny? January 15th. Okay. And what are, you, what are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about life. You know, <laughs> coffee, all the breakfast stuff. recipes. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, you know, that would be a good one. Everybody share their favorite breakfast recipe. You can do that. Get down with that. No, so we're going to be talking about, you know, what are the tips? You know, we go into the new year. Everybody makes resolutions. They determine they're going to do better. So we want to put you guys on the right path to make sure you're taking advantage of all the things that you can. Still lots of unknowns out there, you know, in regards to taxes. You know, can we or can we not do certain types of strategies that we can right now? So we're going to talk about what is available what you should be doing to set yourself up for a successful 2022. And I think that, you know, just kind of getting the year off started off kind of an open, open hour to ask questions. So we, we always entertain questions. Um, that's really what it's all about. We actually started this back when, when COVID first happened, we thought, huh, how can we still remain kind of out in the open, talk to people and uh, just find out what's really important to you to make sure we address all those issues. So really rich and I enjoy doing these, these candid coffees um, just a time to, to really kind of, go back and forth and banter and, and visit with you guys. So go sign up realinvestmentadvice.com. It'll be January 15th. So got a couple of weeks yet before we get there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, about a month, actually. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. coming. It's coming quick. Like Christmas. I know. It's Ten like, days away. It's like, have you got all your shopping done? I don't know. <laughs> because ask, ask Michelle. Yeah, because I, the I announcement so. today is that if you don't have your Christmas online order placed today, mm-hmm. it will not be delivered on time. So okay, that's that is the warning from the delivery truck companies, and that has been going on since about October. It has I believe been, it, but, but, yeah. but the but the line is today is that the order has to be in today. So my, my wife's my wife's just gonna have get a certificate for what she's gonna get after Christmas. Yeah, so. that's kind of how it's gonna go. My kids, Abby, she came up to me last night. I said, Dad, what did you get mom for Christmas? I'm kind of concerned. You're eight. Why are you concerned? I don't see anything under the tree because I don't put it under the tree. Because every day they go and count. One, two, wait, Dad, this is not fair. Right. Uh, Life's not fair, honey. Sorry. (laughs) I don't love you nearly as much as the other kids. (laughs) Going for gift equality. Yep. My my kids learned that lesson a long time ago. I I, I was flat up with them. I mean, because they'd say, you know, you know, Mackenzie's got more presence than I do. It's like, well, I love her more. <laughs> well, it, didn't matter. it didn't matter that, you know, his presents were probably more expensive than hers, yeah. you know, but I, I just tell them straight up. It's like, yeah, I love her more or her, you know, I love him more. <laughs> and they just, they don't, they don't like, okay. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, you know, dad don't pull no punches. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Anyway, and they're in therapy still today. They, yeah, they're, I wonder why my kids are all messed up. But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, a uh, couple of things here as, as we kind of get into today. And, and again, you know, the, the big news today, of course, that's going to be the Federal Reserve. We'll get into all those details for you tomorrow about what happened. 
And, you know, that announcement is going to be this, the, you know, kind of mid-afternoon. So, again, this market may be a little bit sloppy earlier today. Um, but, again, depending on, as we said earlier, how hawkish uh, Jerome Powell is. And, again, I don't expect him to be. I suspect that we're probably going to see a rally by the end of the day. Um, we've had a couple of good days of selling pressure here. So, again, not surprising if we get a little bit of, of rebound rally. People aren't willing, People aren't ready to give up on this market just yet. So, you know, there's there's still, you know, markets, you know, kind of most of our indicators are oversold um, on a longer term basis. We've got, you know, kind of excess levels of cash in the markets right now. So, again, there's there's lots of of potential here. And again, we're just finishing up this week, which also sets us up for that last two weeks of the year, which tend to be better, kind of stronger months. Now, once we get into January of next year, who knows? So do you think he's done a much better job than he did previously a couple of years back in 18 when he kind of just came out of the middle of nowhere and said, hey, we're a long ways from neutral? Because he's been telegraphing this and other Fed officials have as well. Where I don't think it's going to come as such a well, shock, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, first of all, back in 2018, he was the Jerome Powell that we all thought he was. Right. So, when you know, They're everybody, everybody in the financial markets was excited when Jerome Powell got elected because, you know, and, you know, nominated, nominated. for uh, Fed chair because he was this kind of anti-establishment guy, so to speak. And he was going to be much more focused on really the economy and not worrying so much about the financial markets. And he you know, was really supposed to be a different breed of financial, you know, Fed chairman. And of course, as soon as he made those, you know, erroneous words in September of 2018, saying, "Well, we're not anywhere near the neutral rate; the market's down 20 percent." That's all it took before President Trump called him up on the phone and said, "Look, if you don't straighten this out pretty quick, you're going to be fired." And of course, there were headlines, you know, all across the media at that point in December. You know, is, is, is Jerome Powell going to be fired? You know, what happens if you fire the Fed chairman? And blah blah blah. Everybody was was already assuming he was going to be fired. Well. He changed his tone pretty quick, made a few visits to the White House, and before you know it, we're cutting rates, and he became, you know, every Fed chairman before him. He, he became Ben Bernanke. He became Alan Greenspan. You know, it's just uh, he became Janet Yellen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all you know, all of that idea that he was this different Fed chairman went right out the window, and he became exact. And, again, we said at the time when he was elected that he wouldn't be different, and he turned out not to be any different. And the next guy will be probably even, or, or, or gal, because now we're talking about Lael Brainerd, um, potentially as the next Fed chairman after after Powell. She's she's more Janet Yellen-ish than anyone. So again, the, the, the bias by the Fed to help support the financial markets and inflate asset bubbles is, is going to continue. And the problem with that is, is that these booms and busts are just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger because we keep doing the same erroneous policies. And what nobody's figured out yet is that, you know, doing QE is great for the financial markets in the short term, but it leads to long-term economic inequality, wealth inequality, and bigger booms and busts in markets. It's not healthy. You know, by not allowing capital to capitalism and price discovery to work as it should, we're making more and more unhealthy markets long term. Uh, you know, and, and the whole point of this is to avoid short term pain. We're making the long term pain even more problematic. So that's where we are. Well, that's that's historically what we've always done. So I don't yeah. know why we would expect anything <laughs> different. Well, it's it's, you know, short term pain is unelectable. 
So if you want to stay in office, yeah. you try to avoid the short-term pain, right? Yep. So a um, couple other things as, as we've kind of, you know, kind of moving ahead uh, into next year, as, as we were talking about, the, you know, the headwinds moving into next year are going to be substantially different than what we, you know, what, what were tailwinds over the last couple of years are going to be, become headwinds. And, you know, we're still trying to wrestle over, you know, vaccinations and who's vaccinated and unvaccinated and mandates to lock down things. You know, those are economically non, non-functional, right? Those, those are going to, going to slow economic activity as we go forward, particularly if you start firing a bunch of people because they choose not to get vaccinated. Um, that's not going to be good for employment. And, you know, the thought is, is like, oh, we've got all these other people willing to take jobs. Um, there's a, I have a real sneaking suspicion that all those job openings really aren't all those job openings. And what I mean by that is, is that there's a lot of companies right now, they have high turnover. So when they have high turnover, they just keep their job postings out all the time. Because if I'm in the restaurant business or I'm in the entertainment business or whatever, my turnover is very high because people are just leaving my restaurant to go down the street to work at the next restaurant for a dollar higher wage, whatever it is. And so I just leave my job postings out there. So it looks like we have all these excess job openings. My suspicion is that they aren't really there. And because we've had record job openings, not just today, we've had record job openings for years. And if you take a look at the level of job openings, they've just been rising, particularly over the last six, seven years in particular, they kind of started this uh, more accelerated trend higher. And we've just had com- consistently higher job openings during that entire time frame. So again, I think a lot of this is the fact that, hey, we don't know how to count job openings. Uh, secondly is, is that with all these job services, you know, you have Indeed and you have all these other online job, uh, kind of job um, sites that you can go to to apply for work. Well, as a company, I've got an ad on every one of the sites. So I may have one job opening, but I may have 15 or 20 ads out there that are all getting counted. And so I think the disparity and what we're going to find out at some point is that we're going to we're going to make a mistake here. and We're going to fire a bunch of people because they choose not to get vaccinated or whatever. And then all of a sudden there's not the replacements for those. And that's going to cause an economic problem um, that is unexpected and unintended. And that typically is what happens in markets. You know, we kind of get into these these places where we think that we have something that's there that's not really there. And when we actually start taking action on it, that's where the reality comes to roots. And so, again, there's a lot of things moving into next year. Tighter Fed policy, less liquidity in the markets, higher interest rates. Um, You know, a lot of the things that have been kind of supporting the evolution of the markets over the last couple of years and the economy, all that liquidity, the $1,400 checks to households, the $900 checks to households, the excess unemployment benefits, all that. So a lot of that cash is still in the system, but that's all getting eaten up by inflation now. So as we move into next year, a lot of those tailwinds that have helped support the economy and the markets up to this point are going to become headwinds to that economic development and vibrance that we expect will be there. That's going to be the big risk in 2022. Be right back after the bank. We're going to wrap up the show. Uh, talk a little bit about internet sales as well. That's all coming up right here on The Real Investment Show. Don't go away.
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Don't let 2022 be a repeat of the past year. Join Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso for their essential Smart Money Tips for the New Year Candid Coffee event on Saturday, January 15th. You'll learn the landmines to avoid, tax advantages we see, and money tips you need to know in the new year. Register now for our next Candid Coffee at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. Anyone can sell you insurance, and they'll gladly take your premium dollars. The RIA Insurance Agency can provide you with insurance solutions tailor-made for your needs and lifestyle. Because everyone's assets are different, let RIA Insurance review what you need to protect and how. We won't sell you insurance, but what you need will be a matter of policy. RIA Insurance Agency, 888-915-0780. RIA Insurance Agency, 888-915-0780. 888-915-0780. What worries you about your money? Enhance your financial success with RIA Advisors' free financial planning tool, MyBlocks. It's our online modular manager for your money and your life. Does your vision of retirement match up to reality? MyBlocks can help to determine how much you'll need and how you can achieve. Create your own personal financial vision for the next decade with MyBlocks, our free tool at RIAAdvisors.com. Click on the Client Portal tab, RIAAdvisors.com. And now, another page from the Real Investment Advisors Investing Manifesto. Manage risk and volatility rather than trying to manage gains. You don't have to be right all the time. Long-term investing success is a 70% gain. Let us help you reach your financial goals with RIA Advisors. Neither bull nor bear. RIA Advisors. 281-501-1791 or online at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. <laughs> you know, money changes everything. I'm just sitting here reading a headline. A changed Taliban says it's welcoming women's rights and now wants $10 billion from the U.S. <laughs> You really can't make this kind of stuff up. I'm just saying Send us your money will change. <laughs> exactly. You know, wait, there's money if I'm good? Okay. See, it's my kids. Apparently, my kids are now the Taliban. I'll be good <laughs> if you give me money. <laughs> Until they get the money. <laughs> and then they turn back into the Taliban. Yeah. That's my kids. Oh, man. <laughs> They've been terrorizing me for years. Anyway, um, Danny Ratliff joining me this morning. Uh, real quick here, I wanted to, uh, I got a chart here this morning. A, a couple of interesting charts out this morning. Um, internet sales have been above the previous trend. Obviously, again, let's go back to everybody's like, look how strong the economy is. You know, sales are above trend. Well, yeah, we gave people a, you know, a crap ton of money. What do you expect? They're going to go out and spend it. And so, you know, Retail sales went above trend, but internet sales are, you know, trending well above trend. Here is the interesting part, though, because, you know, there was always talk uh, previously about the death of, you know, um, you know, kind of the brick and mortar retail stores, right? It's the, you know, the death of the mall is coming, right? The malls are all going to die. Have you been by a mall lately? It is packed. Not even a five-mile vicinity. I don't want to be anywhere near one. Uh, exactly. Uh, the chart of – so the second chart I have here is a chart of physical sales. And, again, if you're watching our online, I'll explain it. Don't worry. If you're driving, don't worry about it. Um, 
but store, physical store sales are dramatically above their long-term trend. And, you know, people want to, you know, people, and this is what I've always said is like, you know, internet, internet sales are great, right? But I, I like when I shop, I want to go put my hands on stuff. And look, we, we order stuff online that's like everyday usage type mm -hmm. stuff. Olive oil, yeah, you know, send it to my house. I don't need to put my hands on olive oil, but if I'm shop for clothes, something like that, I want to go to the store and, you know, try it on, make sure it feels good. I mean, what part, do you, you, know, what I, do you wear when you're out of here? I mean, you, you, you wear this, you go home, you go bowl. I, I mean, know. What, what, what else do you need? That's true. Well, my workout gear, right? There you go. Got to workout gear. But, our, you know, our, our partner, you know, is like 18 feet tall. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and you think I jest. It's, it's the tallest guy I know. All um, the cabinets in the kitchen are out of reach know, for most of us. For, yeah. You know, I, you know, my wife complains about her being short in the house. If I put stuff up on shelves, she yells at me. <laughs> so I bought her the stool. You know, those stools you buy for kids. It says yeah. this little stool is mine so I can reach things I shouldn't. <laughs> I bought her that stool. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's the way I feel, you know, when Connie's in the office, right? I mean, there's like stuff in shelves I can't reach. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, he orders, he has to go to physical stores to buy stuff because if he orders it online, you know, he orders pants online. You know, they're like Bermuda shorts when he gets them. So, you know. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. Anyway. I still look up to him. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Everybody looks up to him. <laughs> you know, he, he dresses up for Christmas as the Jolly Green Giant. So. <laughs> With his Bermuda shorts. With his Bermuda. <laughs> that's because he ordered the costume online. See, that's the whole problem. Anyway, anyway, a uh, couple of things here to wrap up the show. Um, great comment this morning. You can't set a Hallmark movie in Texas. Unexpected snow isn't magical in Texas. It's terrifying and leads to fights at HEB. Yes, that is absolutely correct. So other thing to, to get into as we want to wrap up the show here is, you know, we were talking earlier about investing in markets and, of course, uh, this, you know, trying to avoid risk, Right. So there's a whole nother side of that, which is also an avoidant, you know, kind of a theoretical avoidance of risk, but actually is the acceptance of complete risk, which is a buy and hold investment strategy. And Danny had mentioned earlier about dollar cost averaging and dollar cost averaging is fine as long as markets are going up. But you should never dollar cost average in a declining market because you're investing capital that you're destroying during a bear market. So it's kind of like throwing money into a burning house, right? Um, eventually, the house will stop burning. And then that's the point you want to invest the capital to rebuild the house, right? You don't try to build, rebuild the house while it's still on fire. Um, so, you know, a lot of these things, they seem like kind of armchair analysis. Oh, it's easy to invest and just ride the markets out over time. And it will work given a long enough time frame because markets will rise over time but you wind up destroying a lot of capital and giving up a lot of returns and wealth building during that process. And a couple of those strategies, you know, we hear about a lot of like dividend aristocrats, right? Just invest in dividend yielding companies and hold them. And it'll be just fine because even if the stock price goes down, right, you still get the yield. Well, there's two huge fallacies about that. First of all, you don't get yield. You do not get yield. Yield is a mathematical calculation of price, versus the dividend that's paid out. What you get is the actual dividend. If a company pays a dollar a share a year, that's what you get. 
you get a dollar a share a year. That's all you get. You don't get anything else. Now, theoretically, you're going to own a, you're you're supposed to buy a whole lot more shares if the stock is really cheap price, right? So if the stock trades at ten dollars, and it has a dollar share in dividend, it has guess what? A ten percent yield sounds great. Let's buy that one. There's a reason it's trading at ten dollars a share, probably. But if it goes down to eight, your yield goes up, Lance. Yeah, I know. It's great. But, but guess what? You're still getting a dollar a share, and you've lost twenty percent of your money. So two things to think about: if you want to buy dividend yielding stocks, don't worry about the yield. What does it pay out every year? If a company pay what's what's better, a company that pays out a dollar a year or a, do, or a company that pays out three dollars a year? What pays you more? Right. Second thing is is that the problem with buying dividend yielding stocks is that, and this is the 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 fallacy. They go, well, you know, I don't care if the stock price goes down fifty percent. I'm still getting the yield. No, you're not. You're getting the dividend, and now you've lost fifty percent of your capital. And when that occurs, I mean, just go back and look at a plethora of companies back in 2020 as a good example of this. Companies from Boeing to Ford that have been long-term payers of dividends, right? Oh, I only buy companies that have long-term track records of paying dividends. Ford, Boeing, all fit in that bill until 2020. And then they quit paying the dividend. So now you're down 50% of your money and you lost the income. So the problem with all these armchair strategies, whether it's buy and hold, buy dividend aristocrats, whatever it is, it's all fine and dandy until things don't work out the way they're supposed to. And more importantly, psychologically, people have the best of intentions of sitting here holding a, a basket of stocks or a basket of ETFs, whatever it is. And they go, oh, well, I don't care if it goes down 50%. I, I don't care. I, those are the ones that tell me that, that as soon as the market's down 3 4 5%, they're on the phone call. He's like, what do I do? Yeah, I'm losing all my money. Yeah, that's what it is. So I'll call your bluff because most of those people who who and this isn't everybody. I hate to paint you know in broad strokes here, but a lot of people that we visit with who are utilizing strategies such as this, they're trying to do it to avoid the risk because they say, hey, if it goes down, but they've never made that good decision when it's gone down. They've typically always they've ran for the hills. Yeah. So. Now we've got a bigger problem. <laughs> we're, we're buying something that may not be the best growth-oriented portfolio. We may receive income cuts, and we may sell at the worst opportunity. And, 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 and may is really kind of the operative word here because almost nine times out of ten, you every, will. everybody sells. Yeah. You know, there's a, I always love people that say, well, you know, I'm just going to buy and hold. I'm never going to sell it. There's a point everybody sells. There's a point everybody sells. Well, there's that breaking point, right? You think, man, this is our family's livelihood. We work so mm -hmm. hard. We can't, we can't see this go down anymore. It's just going to keep getting worse because everybody you know, you, everybody knows somebody who's out of work. It's a family member, a friend. It may be yourself, and you just think, I've got to stop the bleeding. Yep. And, and, and look, and this is one of the, the, the tragedies that we've done to the markets over the last five, you know, five years or so with all this Fed liquidity and everything else is that we've taught a whole generation of investors, oh, don't worry, just buy the dip. And because every time the market dips, the Fed's going to come in and bail out the markets. And, you know, that's true. Um, it's very much been the case. But we've trained an entire generation of investors that that's the way it's always going to work. And there's a real, a real risk that at some point, even if the Fed comes in and says, hey, we're going to start supplying the markets with liquidity again, and the markets just keep going down. Yeah. And, you know, what causes that, I don't know. But all I'm just saying is, is that, you know, there is a point that you're inflating a financial bubble to a degree that even 
bailouts potentially won't be able to resolve because it's already been taking larger and larger quantities of, of QE to help support markets where they are. We've had to do bigger and bigger and bigger programs. The question is, is at what point? And again, you can the Fed can only do QE as long as the Treasury is issuing debt for them to monetize. So what happens if you get in a position where there's not enough debt for the Fed to monetize, which is, is a potential problem down the road? So again, there's, you know, those are the things that you need to be aware of. And again, we're, you know, we're not saying, hey, you need to be out of the markets. Not at all. You need to be in the markets. The question is, is how do you do it? And you just have, it's just like anything else. You don't drive down the freeway with a blindfold on, you know, hoping that you're going to get to your destination, right? It's, you're constantly adjusting, you know, your your lane control and your braking or accelerating, what whatever you it you is. You just accelerate, to, you'll get there quicker, Lance. Exactly. I mean, so, you know. You know, I was, I was driving to work this morning. I was doing about 75. There's nobody on the freeway. And then the sheriff comes flying past me at about 110. I'm just like, no lights on. He's just, he's just going to get coffee and donuts. But I mean, you know, I'm just like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, when you're driving a car, you're constantly adjusting for risk. Why would you not do that in your portfolio? That's kind of the same idea. You want to get your destination safely, right? So anyway. Conversation well, for another day. I yeah, guess. lots of stuff going on. But if you do have questions on that, go to realinvestmentadvice.com. We'd love to answer any of those questions. Uh, Lance responds right away. I mean, it's actually pretty unbelievable. If you've ever, if you ever emailed them, I mean, you get something back. Is that automatic? No, I'm I kidding. I make, I make sure when I respond that I'll put in stuff that is relevant to today. Like yeah. you know, have a great Tuesday, whatever. So people know it's not an automated response. It's actually me responding. So, all right, get by the website. Michael Leibowitz's new article is out this morning on the dollar rally. What does it mean for the markets and money? That's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get signed up for our upcoming uh, candy coffee in January and send us your questions, comments, emails. Happy to help you out. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow to go over the Fed, what they do, and what it means for your money tomorrow on the next edition of The Real Investment Show. It's a rich man's world